Welcome to Rugged Rants, a tough and at times a bold conversation on the future of innovation and what we can expect as work changes. I'm your host, Barry Ross, and today's episode is about wearable technology. Our guest, John Harris, Global R&D Director for Panasonic. It's a big treat today. John's going to be sharing his insights on the wearable market, how wearables are entering the workforce, and what companies need to know about deploying wearables. John, welcome to the show. Thanks, Barry. So let's hit it. Uh, you've been around Panasonic for quite some time. I feel like I've known you forever. How did you get involved in wearables? Was this a project that was handed to you? Is it on the roadmap? Like, how did it come about? Well, I suppose uh, a couple of years ago, I was involved in, in what we used to call the Topic Future Forums, which was an opportunity for us to demonstrate, you know, different types of technology to our customers, you know, stuff that wasn't necessarily on the roadmap. And one of the key things that kept popping up when we were talking to our customers was what are we doing around wearables now mm. you know for me wearables is a massive topic and it covers many many different types of uh, uh, device and and at that particular point in time you know fitbit was really really big apple were just about to launch the the apple watch and that was where the sort of interest started to stem from and, and that i think is a pretty good segue into uh, you know how you define wearables because to me, as a consumer, all I think about is my iWatch um, or, you know, uh, a Google Glass back in the day. So how do you define wearables? Is that something that you have in a, you know, a product spec or something? Uh, not really. I mean, it's a huge category. And I think, I think that for me, the majority of the devices out there at the moment are still uh, watches. Um, but I think that they're starting to sort of like change in, in, in the way that, the consumer devices have started to be used for a little bit more than just, you know, measuring your mm. heart rate or number of steps you're doing or, you know, letting you know that you've got a call coming in from your mum or whatever. Um, <laughs> and it's more towards sort of things like, um, you know, uh, you know, Apple brought out some stuff around, you know, looking for specific signals in the heart rate, sort of, you know, alert you to, to whether or not you're having a heart attack. Um, but then real key things like uh, dead... Uh, uh, man down type scenarios where you've got a sin single individual who is working alone and the company has a duty of care to make sure that individual is safe and they're looking at things like the accelerometer on the device to sort of detect unusual um, you know drops or shocks to indicate if someone's fallen down so I think then the you know the consumer devices are sort of, sort of starting to move into the workplace a little bit more now and so I think that that is probably the part I really want to spend some time on, if you're okay with it. I mean, looking at all these form factors, all these devices, especially in North America, uh, how, how does a company and a device move from kind of a consumer use case to, you know, a full-on enterprise application? Because that's not easy, right? And again, I'll use the example of, you know, Google Glass back in 2013. I thought that was going to be huge. And then these privacy issues came about, right? All these questions about, you know, using Google Glass in a car and navigating, you know, turn-by-turn -turn direction. So, so how does a company and a device make that transition, or, or do they, from consumer to enterprise? Well, I think they do, and I think, the you know, just on the Google Glass stuff and, and, and the headwear and stuff, I think that market is, that's coming, it's definitely going to be, it's something that we've definitely got our eyes on, purely and simply because, uh, you know, we're in the mobility space, and I, for me, I genuinely believe that the, the next generation of mobile computing is going to be the sort of wearable stuff, so we'd be silly not to sort of pay attention to it. I think the key thing for me is one of the things that I noticed that, that typically drive markets is uh, legislation or events that happen that, that, that result in people making decisions. So, you know, think the... Um, 
in in the UK, um, if if for instance someone's been injured on the job, mm. um, that that would tend to lead to you know an organisation having to change the way that they're working. Um, I, I think the Europe's probably a little bit ahead on uh, the US when it comes to sort of lone worker security, right. um, where the C-level executives are actually personal li- personally liable for um, for the safety of their workers and making oh, wow. sure making sure that them workers have got the tools and equipment and the the, the 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 stuff that they need to be able to do their job, but just not only do their job but do it safely. So I think that's uh, the key things that work. You know, is that that demand that's being driven by typically legislation or duty of care or you know uh, corporate responsibility? You know. I want to make yeah. sure that my employees are safe, you know, and these these are things that are driving driving the markets, yeah. And so that's really interesting because I mean obviously that's one key factor, I think, in terms of how you introduce, you know, hardware and applications to a different, I guess, region. And and so do you believe like the research for 2019, at least the research that I see, uh, at least for North America, that they think that the industrial market for wearables is actually ten billion dollars. That's ten billion, that's with a B. Is that similar to what you're seeing in Europe and the UK? Yeah, I think globally, I think the market opportunities there, and it, it depends on how you dice the market, because is that 10 billion just for hardware? Or is it 10 billion for hardware plus software plus services? Because I think that's a key thing when you start looking at the market. The actual device itself, it might actually only be um, 30% of the total project cost. The rest of it's mm. going to be software and services, right? So you know, potentially it could be that, that big. I hope it's that big because <laughs> it's definitely a market that we want to we want to chase after, right? Yeah, so that's a good question. I have to go back and do more research on that 10B number. Um, and so when we talk about, uh, and this is a great conversation to have, when we talk about like great success stories, is there any any use case or any wearable, whether it's headset or watch or you know something that would be, in your mind, a success or maybe even a failure? And when I say failure, just didn't live up to market expectations. I think... Um there's a couple of sort of like sweet spots for for wearables. I'm not going to focus on on the the sort of watch stuff because I think yeah, you know, that's, sure. that's that's something that's for us that's sort of low end. That market's gone. You know, if you look at the numbers, well, according to the numbers that I've seen, every man, woman, and child that's walking on the planet should have, have at least one Fitbit. So I, I, don't, I don't think that's the case, <laughs> but um, I, th- I think that that market's definitely gone. And I think maybe we're into sort of second generation of that market where the services and and functions and features are starting to to be added to. I think. The, the key things that I've, I, you know, I was lucky enough to attend a, a, a wearable event a couple of weeks ago um, in the States. And, and one of the key things that they were talking about specifically around when it comes to what they call above the head instead of below the head um, is uh, knowledge transfer and the aging population and the challenge of getting sort of younger generations into the, work, into the workplace and then being able to transfer that, they call it like tribal knowledge. Um, from a you know uh, older, more senior, more experienced individual to a younger, less experienced but keen individual. So that that knowledge transfer. I heard a, a great story where um, they've deployed uh, head-mounted um, displays, which are augmenting the, the display. So they're they're there. Um, you've still got full vision, but you've got like a little display just sort of below, below your, either your left or right eye. And what they're using it for is to connect to a uh, remote expert. So all of a sudden, you're connecting to a remote expert. He's guiding the individual uh, via voice. 
he can see what that particular individual is doing and he's saying, right, okay, try relay number seven or that red cable shouldn't be there where it is. And they've had a huge reduction in the, the amount of travel costs that, that people are incurring uh, and an increase in customer satisfaction because that, that individual's equipment has been uh, fixed a lot quicker um, and they've, had to, they've, they've done it with uh, a less skilled individual. So the whole efficiency piece sort of plays into this, this wearable thing, yeah? Yeah, I think that's a, that's a great example, and uh, that's the first I heard of that being actually kind of a segment within wearables knowledge transfer, and, and so that can be applied to many verticals, not just, I guess, care support, but maybe care support, uh, utilities, mm. uh, you know, any anywhere where you've got a blue collar, you know, a man with a, a spanner um, fixing a piece of equipment, and he's never seen that piece of equipment before, or that piece of equipment is not acting as it should, um, the ability to be remotely connect to, to a, a central um, uh, location where they've got experts, maybe even the engineer who designed, designed the thing, right? You know, that's the key thing. I think that the ability to bring that piece of equipment, they call it see what I see, bring that piece of equipment to the person that's there, and then them to sort of guide through um, you know, the potential sort of uh, fixing of the equipment. I think that's a real key yeah. um, benefit that, that's definitely going to come. Um, you know, I think uh, that that's, that for me is one of the key key. This or they call it sort of remote mentors. I think one other key area is going to be uh, around digital workflow, where you've got a number of steps that that need to be taken in order to perform a specific task, uh, and you haven't got to go back and refer to a, a document, or you haven't got to go and refer back to a, a PC that might be sitting on the other side of the uh, the lab, or in the, you know might be still in the bag or whatever. I think they're, they're, these are really really key use cases that that came out of that that, um, that event that I was at a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, it sounds like it was a great symposium or event or conference. Uh, interesting, um, and, and so I, I think to me, just coming from an IT background. I think all these use cases are great. Um, and then we start talking about like numbers and the opportunity and billions or millions of dollars for a particular application that's based on a particular form factor. The, the one question that's always cropped into my mind in many of these conversations with experts like you, uh, especially with wearables, and this is something I, I know absolutely nothing about, it's in terms of deployments. Like, do we have... Should a customer have the same concerns in terms of deploying wearables, right, in their factory, in their workforce, um, you know, where they work, you know, every day? Is that a concern? The same questions, cost, time? Yeah, I think um, I think from a management point of view, the, the and, and you know, it, that, that event was brilliant because you know that question came up a number of times, and <laughs> and, and and most of the answers were. Just consider it as a as a, a another device, a another phone or another PC or another wearable. In other words, it's something that needs to be managed and it should be managed in the same way that you would manage all the other devices. And most of the vendors out there are looking at, at, looking at it from that point of view. They're looking at it from the point of view that you know, they need to be able to uh, patch it. They need to be able to know where it is. They need to be able to, to uh, you know, update firmwares, uh, all this sort of stuff. I think some of the challenges that come around wearables are going to be things around personal issue versus uh um you know sort of like turning up in the morning and picking one up out of the out of the the uh the locker and putting it on your head because all of that sort of um cleanliness sort of things mm. yeah i think uh oh, you know, right per, per, you know personal you know hygiene, hygiene. Is, is, you know, yeah that's a you know and, and <laughs> for me you know i you know 
I'd prefer to have my own device purely and simply because you know, <laughs> I look after it. I know where it's been. I know who's been, you know, I, I've cleaned it. You know, I think these are these are key key aspects. And I think the other thing that people need to think about as well is the the health and safety aspects. I think mm. when you are all of a sudden putting something on someone's body, it becomes really personal, and you really need to think about things like um, you know uh, eye strain. Um, the, the weight of the device is that device going to potentially cause any harm if it gets caught or snagged in the piece of equipment you know all of them sorts of things start to come in when it becomes a little bit closer to the body as opposed to you know a standard notebook or tablet um, I think these are key considerations that people need to start to think about which which are different when it comes to you know handhelds and tablets right yeah absolutely and uh, the health and safety part I certainly get the hygiene not so much. Uh, but that's a, that's a great consideration. Uh, just coming from a family of four boys, uh, I would never, I would never, uh, the lady, the, the lady who was talking about it was saying that some of the guys that were, you know, they, they, some of these guys are working outside in 30, 35, you know, sort of 100 and, 110, oh. 120 Fahrenheit, uh, you know, temperatures, right. For six, seven, eight, eight hours. Yeah. Oh my God. Um, and you, know, you can, you can start to imagine that if you're wearing as an example, a watch, what the strap's going to be like, you know, after a day, let alone after a couple of weeks. So, would you oh. want to wear that as after someone else had worn it? You know, I think that's the things that they're talking about. Yeah, I think that <laughs> I think that's a great rhetorical question because I don't even want to wear my own watch after you know three hours in ninety degree weather. <laughs> we know the way that goes. Um, hey, John, you know this is great. Uh, you know, we're kind of nearing the end of our time. Um, and, and to, so just for our, our audience sake, what I try and do is kind of take, uh, you know, three points or takeaways for our discussion. And, and so what I've heard really is, you know, wearables is kind of this massive topic. It encompasses many different types of devices. And, you know, depending on how, you know, the opportunity kind of pans out for your company or enterprise, you know, it could be many things. And, and secondly, you know, headwear uh, is probably one of the uh, upcoming uh, driving categories uh, that we'll see probably in 2019 and beyond in terms of a form factor. And obviously, you know, legislation uh, could impact that opportunity for headwear in terms of, hey, legislation is different uh, depending on your region, you know, EU versus uh, North America. So totally understand that. And then lastly, but not leastly, uh, you know, the sweet spot is probably not so much the hardware itself, but, you know, what you do with that hardware in terms of services, features, and connectivities. One of the guys who've done the presentation at this thing recently really, really summarized it, it, it really, really well. I think that, you know, wearables is, a, is one of these markets that's, that's up and coming. It's something that we need to pay attention to. Um, there's definitely value there in the in the, the short-term, mid-term, and long-term future. And I think that it's going to be one of these things It's going to be a little bit of a game changer. I think the key thing is, is that um, you need to understand what the use case is. Yeah, you need to qualify mm. the use case and make sure that you're applying uh, the right technology to the right use case. Yeah, you need right. to make sure that you've got multiple levels of stakeholder management involved. So everyone from the person who's using it all the way up to the the, the C, C level people that everyone's bought into it because you know it's it's a journey and everybody needs to be involved in it. You can't just sort of dream it up in the IT department and sling it out in the field and then hope it's going to work. Yeah, uh. the the you also need to validate it and make sure that what your, your original use case is is being solved by the technology that you've you've applied, yeah, uh, and then make sure you do a really really good job of the deployment. I think that's the the key things that I would summarise based on you know how do you how do you be successful, yeah. I, I think you should probably have your own podcast, John. Cause I, I I totally agree with that summary, in particular the part about having C level sign off. 
having gone down that path of, you know, making decisions for use cases and not having it fully that vetted. So that makes total sense. Uh, actually, uh, John, one last question. Uh, it's my favorite question. Um, so one thing you love about your job, and it could be anything, it could be working with me for that matter. Uh, I ask everyone this on the show, uh, you'd be surprised the answers I get, but uh, it could be anything. Give me one thing. Yeah, there's a couple of things, Barry, actually. Yeah, the people are, people are really important. Not everybody, but most people, yeah. You're you're in the you're in the most people, you know. Top and five. I, and I enjoy <laughs> I, I enjoy I enjoy the banter and I enjoy I enjoy working with, with, with characters and I think that's that that's what makes tough book with tough book. But I think one of the, one of the things I, I love most about the uh, about my job is the product. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm a, a genuine fan of tough book. I've seen it you know, I've worked for Panasonic for nearly 20 years, always in Tough Book, and I've seen it go, grow from from something that was relatively small to, to where it is now. And, and it always amazes me, the, the quality of the product that comes out of the factory. And, and you know, so for me, it's it's the product. And, and for me, the next thing is wearables, and where do we go with wearables? So hopefully, you know, next couple of years, we'll be seeing some wearable stuff from Tough Book. Yeah, no doubt. And John, you're, you're it's always great having you on the show. Uh, you know, you're a good man. And uh, I hope to to do this again with you real soon. And so I, I think that's it for us uh, this week. I'm Barry Ross, and that was another episode of Rugged Rants. Tune into new episodes and hear from my fellow co-hosts, Susan Campbell or Craig Joukowsky, on a whole range of topics. Each a tough and bold conversation on the future of innovation and what we can expect as work changes. Mm-hmm.